0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Chris. And before we get into today's episode, I wanted to first clue you guys in as to, I guess, the difference in this week's podcast and that we're not just going to run it all the way through. Actually, we had enough time between Jordan McNamara and myself. He was gracious enough with his time to, I guess, continue the conversation well over an hour. So instead of hitting you guys with over 60 minutes of content, I tried to break it up and find the most logical spot for us to cut the conversation. So we actually, for the first, uh, for this episode, we're just talking about uh, his book and actually the, I guess, the process for creating content, the process for we're creating a book with so many different topics ranging uh, across the different facets of Dynasty. So for some of you content creators out there, this might be of some use to you guys. And then we get into how that feeds into, I guess, our general thoughts of some of the things that we've been hearing coming out of the Scouting Combine. Uh, So that's part one. Uh, Part two, we get into more of the specific topics within his book. So for some of you guys that are just not really into content creation, you just want to hear about Dynasty in and of itself, that might be more for you. But uh, with that being said, hope you guys enjoyed both parts i uh, definitely thank jordan for his time i hope you guys go check out his book so definitely go check that out analytics of dynasty at analyticsofdynasty.com and with that let's go ahead and head into part one and here are your authors chris allen and a- adam will do all right everybody welcome back and i guess this is going to be a different kind of show because normally you'd expect to hear adam kind of chime in here in just a second but uh i'm riding slow solo tonight uh so it's just me chris allen at chris allen ffwx here for the latest episode of the dynasty owner's manual <laughs> podcast and well here i've got uh i mean one of the i guess the analytically inclined folks that you'll see like posting stuff up on Twitter and actually has his own book out. I mean, that's why we wanted to come and sit down and talk with Jordan McNamara to, uh, tonight, and we had a chance to talk with him last season, I think shortly before or shortly after uh, your book dropped, the 2019 version. I forget. But either way, we've got Jordan back here tonight uh, to talk a little bit more about his new book that should be out, The Analytics of Dynasty, and also talk about, I guess, a bit of Dynasty news that's going around. We've got the Combine going on and just the general rumblings we see around Twitter about this time of year as it pertains to dynasty, but first and foremost, Jordan, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on.
1: Sorry, uh, sorry, there's no Adam, but he's gonna he's got bigger and better things going on. So I totally get it.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think he said he was like fighting with a dish like dishwasher or like a stackable like washer or something like that tonight I know I mean he's getting uh, the
1: house ready for the baby right I mean yeah that's uh, kind of where he's at so listen I get I get that so yeah for sure uh, so
0: I definitely uh, don't envy his position Uh, I remember I remember those days when it was the the wild times before uh, you know your first child comes along so uh, but we're happy for him hope everything turns out well but we're here to talk dynasty mm -hmm. all right we're here to talk fantasy football so let's let's get into that actually the first thing that I want to talk about though so this is is this the second or third uh the third season or i guess or third edition i guess of the analytics of dynasty so this is the second one so i did
1: 2019 and then um i did 2020 so this is this is year two although it seemed like it's been like a four-year writing process but it's only been two
0: (laughs) yeah and i think i think we got into it the last time we had to we had the chance to talk to you but for some of the folks that are out there that might be somewhat into not only Dynasty, but also our content providers, or they're looking into doing the same thing. That was kind of where I wanted to start this conversation tonight. Uh, I've uh, Adam and I, we've kind of uh, tinkered with the idea of trying to put a book together, but since you've done it now two years in a row, I kind of wanted to get your, I don't know, pick your brain a little bit on, I guess, just the, the process or the idea of coming up with something that's, I guess, just so in-depth. Right, because I, I mean, uh, quite a few of us. I mean, we write articles on a fairly regular basis. We do shows. We do podcasts. But this is something completely different, right? I mean, just from a a mental aspect. I mean, how did you get to the point where you said, "Yeah, I have enough ideas that I could actually write a book"?
1: So that's a that's a great question.
0: Um, I <laughs> so
1: in the. Uh, to to, to sort of tell the whole story you got to go really back to like the 2018 NFL season and so or no the 2017 NFL season Um, I started to get into some DFS get a little bit interested more interested in playing DFS Um, it was something that I wanted to get into but through you know I had a little bit of success in the first couple weeks of the season um, but really felt over my head in terms of I just didn't have like the mm-hmm. historical knowledge base comfortable to be putting money down and, and playing uh, with some comfort. I was probably plus EV, um, on, on the whole thing, but it was just one of those things like I didn't feel great about it. So, so I you're said,
0: way better at DFS than I am. Yeah. Okay. It, it, but it was short sample
1: be size. Like I hit on okay. Kenny Stills right. in like week one and it was yeah. like, you know, it, then I had like four straight losing weeks, but like Kenny stills, like it was had like a massive week one on top of like, Tyree mm, Hill, yeah, so, I remember that. So, um, so I said, you know what, let's, I'm going to put a pin in this. Like I, this is still something I want to do. I want to explore, but I want to do like a ton of research, spend basically the off season thinking about it, roster construction, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, and you know, I had been playing dynasty for a while and I've played fantasy football for 25 years. And so I said, um, I said, I'll, I'll spend the off season. I'll do a lot of research just thinking about it in terms of value and those sorts of things. So, the season ended and that would have been the beginning of 2018. So you're talking like January, 2018. And mm-hmm. I just said, I'm going to, I'm going to do a deep data dive. And I started okay. looking at all sorts of things like um, starter rate or starter games, like, you know, top 24 weeks and um, upside downside, you know, looking at pedigree and looking it just a lot of different ways, looking at, you know, what's repeatable, what's not. And I probably spent like, Spent maybe about six weeks doing that and I just mm-hmm. started writing stuff down. And as I as I kept doing it, I was like, Man, I go, there's a lot of dynasty stuff here. And um, you know, I was recording podcasts at UTH and I was doing writing at UTH. And so I, I said there's there's stuff here. So I just started writing it down. And After a couple of, you know, I would say a couple of months, I had like 40 pages written down. And it was just like chicken scratch at that point. Yeah, But it was just like notes and just, you know, thoughts and, you know, not really anything cogent, but it was, you know, just just basically an outline of a book. And I sort of kicked the idea around with a few people and they were like, you should do it. So I said, let's do it. And so I spent basically all of 2018 writing that 2019 edition um, with the intent to never do it again. I was like, this is a one off. <laughs> like, I'm not, I, I didn't want to be in the business of like keep doing it. Like, I'm just going to yeah. write one book. Um, and I sort of got to the end of it and I was like, there's no, there was no super flex data. There was no, like, there was just things that weren't possible to write about just because there wasn't enough super flex data to write about. And I started thinking about things in some different ways, sort of in the and mm-hmm. the media tour and the the all the uh, owner meetups I had and those sorts of things, um, or um, you know, by the I met I did a whole bunch of strategy sessions with people, and just from that came so many more ideas. So I took a couple months off, and I was like, I got all this free time. I was like, maybe I should write another book. <laughs> and so that's how it came. That's how the second one came out with a big focus on Superflex.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, and I guess to go even deeper into Mm -hmm. that, so did you set, I guess, uh, like minimum goals for writing? Almost on like a day-to-day basis, did you say, okay, well, uh, I need to do thousand words a day or like I need to finish this chapter by this much I mean for folks that are kind of listening and trying to maybe Mm -hmm. planning through something I mean were those like milestones or like you know do you try and schedule as much of this ahead of time so you knew okay well this is where I need to be by X amount of time so that I can get it out by this much or I can get it to review or have some other people take a look at it by this date was that kind of your process for putting it all together?
1: Um, So the first time around I had no idea what I was doing so um, I just kind of i had a marker board and i was like well here's what i want to cover and so i just started checking the you know i would just i would research i would write and then i would check it off and i just kept going mm-hmm. right down the board um and you know it was funny because like i got i finally got to like the bottom and i was like that's it <laughs> and you know i oh, just wow. yeah. and so i so i did everything and then um and i just i sort of uh, i didn't know when it would end i sort of thought it might end like you know march or april um but as I was sort of writing it along, I was getting kind of close and we sort of, you know, I had a handful of people advising me, giving some, me some ideas and they said, put it out in January because there's nothing to compete with you. Um, and so I said, OK. And so I, I literally dropped it the, um, the week of the AFC NFC championship game. Because there was going to be like the next week, there was no content, you know, there was no games, it was Senior Bowl week, and it was like, but there was nothing going on. Mm -hmm. And so I said, Okay, let's do that. And so that's when I dropped it. And so the second time around, I came and I said, "Um, I'm gonna I pick that day. I picked whatever. I think it was January 18th. I picked six months in advance. I said, I'm going to release it that day. So at least I knew, I sort of knew time-wise sort of where I was at by the second time around. I would say too, like if you're like, if you're thinking about like a big project like this, like to me, it's it's kind of funny because I think, I think content production somewhat mimics like the type of fantasy you're playing. So like I kind of view a podcast in terms of like, almost like playing DFS. Like it's one-off, like you can, but you don't have to like there's you can you can record it in an hour right like in all the prep that yeah. you do going into it isn't there's not there's not a ton of editing there's not a ton of like um you know you don't have to constantly check it right if you you can sit down and and just record it for an hour i sort of yeah. view the the article writing is more like season long where it takes there's more um you know it's it's still a one off but there's more commitment to it there's more um, you know, there's more editing process, you got to submit it, you got to mm-hmm. do all those things. And then I kind of view the book as like dynasty. So it almost like the, 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 the term aspect of it was like super down my alley in terms of how I think. And mm-hmm. that to me was like, if I were to try and write, like, if you told me I have to write, you know, 30 articles that, you know, covered what I covered in the analytics of dynasty, I would never be able to do it. But if you told me I had to write one book, that I could accomplish. Um, It was just a different mindset of sort of getting into thinking of it that way um, to sort of get it done.
0: Yeah, and I was just about to mention that because it almost seems like you would have to put yourself in a different mindset in order to get through it. Where if you break it up into logical chunks, then it's like, okay, well, I can tackle this. I'll do this chapter, do this chapter, and if it follows that logical flow, then you can almost start to hammer them out like in sequence. But once you get into, I've I, I've been through this, like writing over at Four for Four, like we pump out like content like every week, and it gets. Once you get to week sixteen, you're pretty much dead at that point. Yeah, <laughs> and like just the the thought of going back through it even i mean we're only what two ish three ish months removed like from the regular Mm -hmm. season it's still like i need a break like i still need a break yeah totally and it's a but
1: but that's kind of a different type of i mean to me because like i haven't done like a weekly column like anything Mm -hmm. like that like i've done a weekly podcast those sorts of things but i haven't done and i i've sort of intentionally not done that because i sort of like I know like week 16 comes and I'm like, I'm going to throw my computer like in the nearest oh, garbage man. can, it, you know? And I'm like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with this. Like it's, mm-hmm. and, and we're talking, you know, we're joking about uh, a, something that we enjoy. Right. But the drag right. of the season that is a real thing. Like it is, it, it is it. By the time week 16 rolls around, like it is, um, and actually I do re- do stuff for football guys. And I, I actually, when I say I don't have a weekly calm, I do the football guys, the weekly recaps and Sunday mm-hmm. nights until like 1am, like every Sunday mm-hmm. night until 1am. And then you wake up on Monday and you're like, oh. and then it's, it's something that we like and it's fun, but it's a drag. Mm-hmm. The thing I like about the book is it's a total, it's on my own schedule. And so like, I'll like, for example, I started writing this book in like May. And so like, There wasn't a lot going on in terms of what I was, what was competing for my time. And honestly, Mm -hmm. so by, you know, I basically spent from May to August, maybe writing two thirds of it. And again, it's not by that time. It's, it's still very rough draft, but uh, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of it is, I think a lot of it to me, the writing part's not the writing part is I, I, I spend more time thinking about it. And gotcha. thinking about, I think, thinking about concepts and saying, well, how do I sort of test this? And how do I sort of look at this? And, you know, and this year, I tried to learn some different things just in terms of techniques. And I, I did uh, more of it, I think, was on the back end than it really was in the in the writing process. And then, the the worst part of the entire thing is the editing process it's totally like i have one of my best friends in the world is uh is the person that actually sits with me as we as we actually do it and i read it out loud Mm -hmm. and it is it is the most humbling thing like it is it is i mean it is i don't know if i could do oh i'm telling you i can't read out loud so it's like super Mm -hmm. embarrassing but he's it's like it's good because like i can sort of trust him with that and uh Mm -hmm. um but oh my god i'll read stuff and i'll be like i have no like what was i on the night that i wrote this it's like Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh but it's fun like i I don't know like i and to me i kind of said when i when i did it i said let's try something different and like no one like there wasn't like a dynasty book and i said how can i sort of differentiate differentiate myself and Mm -hmm. it was sort of doing i said let's do something that you know not a lot of people are doing and it just sort of brought me to a long-form project that's sort of how it all came about
0: yeah, and I like that. And I think that you're absolutely right, because I'm uh, I'm of a similar mindset. Like I come from like a research background. And I think once the off season comes, like while writing isn't necessarily on the forefront of my mind, I still have a number of just, I guess, high level questions that kind of lead down some of these rabbit holes where it's just I want to try and answer some of these things. And just like you were saying, it's just like you spend more time pulling up data analyzing data and like trying to look for new techniques or figuring out like how you can actually answer some of those questions and honestly for me that's the fun part Mm -hmm. like where you're actually like going down and saying okay like you're you're making those connections and saying whether or not like answering some of those like high level questions and i think that's that's fun and it's different than when you're in the middle of the you know weeks like 14, 15, 16. And we're writing about Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, for like the second or third time, like over the last month. And it's just like, is the season over yet? Like, are we, are we finally into the NFL playoffs? Can we be done? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just a different mindset, like for sure. Yeah. And, and I don't
1: know, I think like as, as dynasty players, right. You, you're, I mean, it, I think almost definitionally we have a, a stronger interest than, like outside the regular season than we do in the regular season. Mm -hmm. Right. Because like if, if I cared more about the regular season, like I would spend from January to August, not worrying about my team. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be staying up until one o'clock in the morning, putting in, you know, combine measurements in February, you know, like that, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be what I'd be doing. um, And so like I do like sort of what you're saying, like that's how that drag sort of comes along at the end of the season. And then I get I get and again, I'm blessed. I'm not I'm not complaining, but it's I think it's a real I think if you spend all of that time putting it into your teams or, you know, fortunately, we're in a we're we're in a position to be able to write. And like uh, there's a but I enjoy like this part of it more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. I could give or take setting my lineup, like, but researching prospects, like that's my jam. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's, it's just a, it's a funny thing. And so like the, thinking the big picture stuff, like I, I have just sort of started keeping like a, like a notebook journal type thing in my phone. And I'll just be like, I'll be at work and I'll be like, uh, listen to a podcast and be like, oh, I want to talk about this. And it'll mm-hmm. be like totally something unrelated to football like but i'm like i want to talk about this because i think that's applicable and so that's like what i sort of spend you know the first six months of any of these projects working on
0: yeah, and that's and that's awesome and i think now that's almost a perfect segue since you brought up the combine uh like for the folks that are a part of draft twitter or even the folks that are just a part of dynasty twitter and they've, they're more or less subject to that because there's almost no way you can get away from like the, what's going on with the combine right now i mean there's too many there's so many people covering it right now and it's so I guess for lack of a better term, it's so loud. Like once you get on Twitter, there's no way you can get updates, like constant updates of uh, player interviews, measurements. And I think today was a bench press, if I'm not mistaken, for like wide receivers. Uh, So you're starting to get some of those metrics. And from your standpoint, I guess, what matters to you? I mean, are you part of hand-sized Twitter Uh, Are you a part of BMI Twitter? Are you a part of Bench Reps Matter Twitter? I guess where do you find yourself in terms of the, I guess, the metrics or the data that's coming out of the combine that we're getting like right now uh, for most of today?
1: So I I think it was Graham Barfield that I heard say this someplace in the past week. And and basically what he said was uh, if you control for draft pedigree, a most of the combine doesn't matter. And I thought that was like a fascinating statement uh, in terms of like, that's like almost pr- as precisely as I could have said it. Mm-hmm. It was just a, it was a really intriguing way to to sort of get at, uh, you know, what I think a lot of us think about in terms of how much of these things matter. But like if Henry Ruggs, for example, runs four two, five, he five, going to be a first round draft pick, right? Like, right. Uh, Then the question is, is sort of how does he fit in that bucket? Right. Like Mm -hmm. if, 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 you know, I'm not even going to pick on people, but if someone goes out and runs four, six, they're going to be somewhere later on day two or day three. Right. And so Mm -hmm. like you just, you, you sort of have that. And then, um, But so I I think like generally speaking, like this is a fun week for me because all the information, like this is, this is one of the top five like dynasty events because like, you know, draft combine, you know, start of the regular season, like, but there's not like a start date for startup drafts or anything like that. Like Mm -hmm. this is one of the, the events, um, so it's interesting to me and I think, you know, like I look at three cone and I look at, you know, I think there's some signal and some, some different things. Um, but I, I think if you just turned your TV off from like now until like April 23rd, mm-hmm. um, and just sort of just ignored everything that happened and just used draft pedigree as a metric, like you'd probably be better off, um, than getting confused. Uh, there's a lot of confusion that goes on uh, in, in terms of like, all right, well, what do I believe? And it sort of can cloud your judgment. And honestly, like the most important thing that you can ever do is draft pedigree. Um, and that's really what i found like consistency in my, consistently in my book across all positions, it's a draft pedigree, is significant, it, you know, it, it matters a little bit more to different positions than others, but, sure. um, but that, you know, if you were to know nothing else, I think that's the thing you would want to know. And so you have to be careful about what you weigh outside of that.
0: Yeah, and I think I would wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment, and I think Graham, like, I think he put it perfectly and succinctly, actually, because I think a lot of people, they go down some of these rabbit holes uh, from folks like uh, Peter Howard to Jesse Reeves to guys that, like, they, they dive into these metrics, and it's almost like they're trying to, uh, to, to I guess— emphasize or to highlight the fact like how how much like really draft pedigree is more or less the end-all be-all right mm-hmm. i mean it like while a lot of people are already freaking out or maybe even taking props on what guys like henry ruggs like what his 40 time is going to be it doesn't matter at this point like we matter like where he's going to get drafted to that's that's where like where the chips fall like on april 23rd That's the big deal. That's what we care about the most. And the same thing for any of the running backs, like how they're going to test. Even the quarterbacks, like for that matter. Mm -hmm. Like I know most folks, like their top three or like where they think some of these other where the quarterbacks are what their value is right now. Doesn't matter until they get drafted. So whatever your stance is or whatever your take is, like as of right now, as we're sitting here on February twenty sixth, it doesn't matter because I come april 23rd or whenever the draft is i mean that's really when we're going to have to plant our flag and say okay well this is how i'm going to value that this this player but for right now it seems like the market seems to be fluctuating just based off of what we're hearing coming out of indy and i don't necessarily agree with that process i mean does that make any sense to you
1: Uh, i think it does and and honestly like i think there's there's if you could tell me like hey how would you? Uh, how would you look at this thing and try and get value out of it? I think almost like if you were to look at, I think there's probably value in two months from now, if there's guy, you know, player X um, it's like round uh, around three running back. Who tested mm-hmm. really well and player y who's going a full round later in rookie drafts didn't test quite as well but it's still a round three guy in terms mm-hmm. of like i'm just talking running backs specific sure. for, as an example like i think there's probably value in that that later date that later pick um okay. and so that's like the, i think almost looking at it in a contrarian sense and and sort of de-weighting it makes some sense um but i would say like there's there's some signal in terms of it's tough and like a lot of the stuff's cloudy but like if you look at like the guys who have gone to the combine since since 2000 um and this isn't controlling for pedigree at all just look mm-hmm. at the guys that have hit and haven't hit like the guys that have hit at running back 451 the guys that haven't hit 458 the speed scores at running back that have hit 104.4 um the speed scores of running backs that didn't hit 97.1 so i mean there there is i mean that's there's stuff there you know the the Mm -hmm. guys that hit our have a you know basically a quarter of a point more in bmi you know what i mean like and there's there's it's not a huge difference but i think there's there's some things there so when you see guys consistently on the right side of those numbers i think that Mm -hmm. that gives you some some help is there a specific you know is there a specific point or a specific thing i can look at and say you know here's here's the holy grail no and honestly like i don't I don't spend a ton of time on like trying to create an athletic model because I think if someone had figured it out, they like, if it was solvable, someone smarter than me would have figured it out a while
0: ago. And so it'd be behind a paywall somewhere. Right. (laughs) Right. And so it's
1: like, it's like trying to solve for quarterbacks. Like I can't, like there's no, like an NFL team would have figured it out already. Like, because, Mm -hmm. you know, because with the resources they have, I'm just a guy that's an amateur mathematician. Like there's no, you know, like I can't, um, and so, yeah, I mean that, so I, I, sort of keep those things in mind. And I think, I think probably the, like, the, if there was one huge takeaway from this, I would say we don't, and I, I, wrote a lot about this in the book cause I, I, it guides my philosophy quite a bit. Um, it's that there's a lot that we don't know and that we can't control for. Uh, and, and even when we think quote, a player's good, uh, there, they, there's a lot of risk in that right cuz we don't control we're trying to play a game where we have no impact on the outcome and there's an inherent amount of of uncertainty in that and so when you sort of keep that in mind and make your decisions based on you know it, c- keeping that in mind and and don't make you know rash decisions to to trade up for a round 2 wide receiver for example like those sorts of things um and sort of embrace the fact that there's a huge miss rate on these positions i think that's really of all the things I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from like from the combine and and from this writing process that I would stress is that there's so much that we can't control and that we don't know. So you can Mm -hmm. sort of embrace that and, and sort of um, embracing it's a contrarian, it's a contrarian strategy that I think can be successful.
0: Yeah, I think so. And uh, I guess, I guess digging into that, or maybe uh, this might be a slight offshoot of this and you talk about it in your book because I uh, I think when I first approached fantasy, so this is probably like ten plus years ago, I definitely fell into this trap where it was all right. Well, I just want to get that guy that I can just set it and forget it. I want to get that guy. I want to get that wide receiver, that running back, that tight end. I don't care who it is. I don't care what their draft capital is going to be or what it will cost for me to acquire that that player. But I want that guy. I put him in my lineup. He's going to get me a solid fifteen points a week. If it's a quarterback. 18 to 20 points a week i want that consistent player but according to you i mean that is that is something that we really shouldn't i mean we shouldn't try and wait for or try and or try and look for like in our players consistency is a myth sell me on that i believe it but i guess maybe sell anybody else that might be listening uh right now like to the to the show about like why we should try and throw out consistency and maybe look for either outliers or maybe look for trying to swing for the fences. Like when it comes to building our rosters, I think,
1: I think a lot of this, like this has been the, if anyone, if there's anything from my book, that's been sort of hot takey, it's been this, this topic. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and what I would say is I think it depends on how you, how you define consistency. Um, What I think is not, uh, consistency doesn't really exist. Like if you'll notice in like, for example, fantasy teams, like consistency doesn't, doesn't really exist from like week to week. Um, and so you'll see a, a high amount of, of volatility for a team, uh, week to week. Um, mm-hmm. and so trying to build a quote consistent team or with, you know, high floor players, um, that that really doesn't exist in in reality. Um, what what you'll see is that there's a huge amount of uh, of of flux from week to week. Because I was really wondering. I came at this thing with the, you know, with the notion that that I wonder if it if it matters, right? If if you score your points, because intuitively it would make sense, right? If I am more consistent from week to week, like that would give me a higher chance of. Of, of winning like that would mm-hmm. be the intuitive thing right and what I found is and so I, I looked that you know I, I had a sample of 52 leagues that were all the same scores uh all the same scoring and all the same formats and everything so I had you know a, a good baseline of 624 teams mm-hmm. um and what I found was that the um the average team scored 140.48 points per game Um, so, a, a a decent number, and this was 2000, um, I think it was 2018, 2000, yeah, 2018 specifically. Um, and they had a standard deviation of 24.32. So if you were to look at the the scores, you know, the the range of scores in a team and for and I just looked at weeks one through 13 because I, I look at the regular season and place a lot of weight on the fantasy regular season when talking about these things. Um, mm-hmm. With those averages, you would expect 95 percent of the scores for the average team to occur within ninety one point eight three points and one hundred and eighty nine point one points, a range of ninety seven right. points. So that's not really a consistent, you know, if you were to say, all right, you can pick between. You know, uh, this ninety-seven point range. I don't think people would think that's consistent. Um, no. And so, so that was really the thing. And so I said, well, well, what happens if it, you know? Okay, so that's where the average is. What is there a relationship between teams that are that uh, are less volatile or have you know a lower standard deviation? Is what I looked at for to mm-hmm. signal this. And and record, right? Or outperforming record or anything like that. And I found there's none. It's a random walk. Um, and knowing that is is important. So, you know, if there is a narrative on a player, for example, uh, you'll see these narratives. Well, so-and-so, you know, Amari Cooper is a boom-bust player. Um, Mike mm-hmm. Evans is a boom-bust player. Um, right. A, I don't think those things are true. And B, I, like, that's great. Because that means it's probably creating value, Um, Mm -hmm. and and so that's from a team side. That's sort of my take on it. Consistency for like players, I think individual. I think there's a couple of different ways to to examine it. One is season long, or you know, year to year consistency. So a guy like Mike Evans or a wide receiver like Jarvis Landry, for example, they're consistently good, right? They're consistently top twenty four options. I think. Right. Mike Evans has been a top 24 option since 2014 and I think I don't I think that like he's in amongst the only people that have done that to start their career. Like he's a he's an, you're right. he's he's it doesn't happen that guys are that consistent year over year in terms of um just a high a high floor. But what you'll notice is there's an inherent volatility particularly in the wide receiver position. And so people will get And say, you know, Brandon Cooks was a good example of this. In 2019 was the was a washout for him, injuries, and they just they just sort of ran bad. Um, But but coming into that, what, what he was like, he was consistently a top 15 option year over year. And people would say, well, he's boom bust. Really, he wasn't. Like if you looked at his top 24 weeks about half mm-hmm. of he would have just less than half of them were top 24 weeks. And over the course of that span, he was like top 10 in the league. Like guys were like Julio Jones. And I mm-hmm. mean, you know, and he was hitting those highs. He he was only like the, the guys that were the, the guys that were producing that level of top 24 weeks were, were the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like he was in the top, like in the top 10 in terms of top 24 weeks over that period of time. And if you looked like there was a period and I forget it. Now I wrote it on my site. It's, you can find it. It's analytics of com. Um, there's a Brandon cooks article. It's something in t- it's something like um, why narratives suck um, something <laughs> about Brandon cooks. Um, yeah. But I sort of broke it all down and he actually like, you know, you would think that Ra- Larry Fitzgerald was, you know, super high floor. Um, over the over the span, I think it was the two years prior that I wrote this, Brandon Cooks had one additional top twenty-four week than Brand than Larry Fitzgerald did. So like when you look at these things, like you have to be super careful. A, I don't think there's a ton of value in it. And B, you gotta be careful of the narrative. And so but even like so wide receiver scoring ha- like if you tell me going into the season, like, hey, you know, wide receiver X is gonna have Eight of his games are going to be top 24 weeks and the other aren't, aren't going to be. How do you feel? I'm like top 15 wide receiver. Like that's how yeah. I feel. Um, mm-hmm. and, and people don't, you know, we're blessed by guys like Hopkins and Mike, Michael Thomas. And, and, um, you know, Devontae Adams did this ridiculous thing where he like, didn't finish with less than 10 points in a game like a couple of years ago. Like those things aren't common, right? That that's why they're the best in the league. Um, mm-hmm. Those things are actually rare. And so there's so much volatility from week to week at the receiver position what matters ultimately is the is their consistency year over year because then you can because a guy like Mike Evans or a guy like Jarvis Landry or Brandon Cooks or Mike Cooper like if they're in my lineup every game I'm going to capture it all right I'm going to mm-hmm. capture the ups I'm going to capture the downs and I've got nine other guys 10 other guys you know whatever my lineup size is that are sort of doing the same thing And so if I'm just going to capture, especially at wide receiver, it's tough to pick the week on these guys because a touchdown makes such a big difference and the the touchdown rates are fluky. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And so those things are, you know, trying to peg those things is really tough. So if you get, so I agree with the idea of building around consistent wide receivers because consistent year over year wide receivers, because ultimately you you extract all that value and like, you'll look at like their wins over replacement and you'll get like, like Mike Evans this year, you know, he had like two or three huge, enormous weeks. He had a couple of okay. weeks, but he was still like a 1.2 wins over replacement guy. And so those things, and honestly, like in reality, it was probably even higher than that because like the weeks that he went off, like the weeks that he went crazy, you probably won. Right. Like uh, you know, the the impact of it was probably and and people I think overreact to, you know, and, and the baseline for me for like a replacement level wide receiver is right around ten points for a week. And ha- so having even having a zero doesn't really hurt you that much. it it doesn't really, it doesn't really hurt you that much. Um, But, but if you have like a five or six point week, it's, it's, it's a negligible impact. Um, Mm. And when you, but when you have the upside to have like a 25, 30 point week, like that's what moves the needle the other way. So, so I I think it depends on how you look at the consistency conversation. And it matters by position too. at running back, for example, like I don't want consistent running backs. Like Latavius Murray last year would have been like a really inconsistent running back. Why? Because when, when, when Kamara was in, he didn't – especially at the beginning of the season, he wasn't really that that valuable. He did – then Kamara gets hurt. He has two games that when you add them together over – I think it was a two- or three-game span that he won you like a half a win over a replacement. Right. And then Kamara comes back, and then he's a little bit more involved. Mm-hmm. Like, you were going to start him the weeks that Kamara was out. Like, you knew when to start him. Like, you knew – like – if you were rostering Latavius Murray, you were, it, it, it was a, it was exactly for that thing. It was, hey, maybe he's got like a um, you know, a Mark Ingram type of floor in him as like a flex play week to week, but if Kamara is out, I'm getting an RB one. Right. And so you knew when to start him and you were able to capture that that half a win uh, in your lineup but otherwise he's on your bench. And otherwise he's on your bench. So like that boom bust at running back, you're very able to identify that boom and that bust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you know, like a couple years ago, there was a span of like eight weeks where, um, it was, it was when Yeldon was at, when Jacksonville and Latavius Murray was in Minnesota, um, you know, Yeldon got like a four game run at running back in, in Jacksonville. And then like uh, the consecutive four weeks, Latavius Murray got uh like a four week run when Delvin Cook was out. And if you added them together, they won you a game. Mm-hmm. And so like but yeah, like so their standard deviation was high, like their their volatility from week to week was high, but you were capturing the heights. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think those things matter, like that's really why I I guess the, the lock in the top 24 production seasonal at wide receiver and then um, embrace some variance at the running back position, I think adding those two things together gives you an enormous ceiling.
0: All right. That was just a lot there. And it was just I, I really enjoyed I, I almost felt like I had I needed to take notes like while we were talking, uh, because Jordan had just so much good things to say. Uh, and not just the fact that I agreed with him and all that said, that's all well and good. But it's more just that we it was for me it felt actionable for me it felt like it was something that i could marinate on for a little bit and kind of chew on it i want you guys to do it as well but as i mentioned uh, we're going to cut it off here uh part two coming up here in just a second but uh thank you guys for listening and uh let's play some outro before we uh before we head on out tonight
1: you want learn the game 101 pick when it hits you feel no for the fantasy championship hit the books kid read this pamphlet called the dynasty
0: owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic